0: Three, two, one. Here we go. Hey everybody, welcome back for another week of the Let's Dig In Podcast. I'm your host, Chef Rich Rosendell, and we are joined with our co-hosts Christopher Ryloff and Rachel Barnett. And this week I'm super excited, we have a good friend of the show, Dan Adude. Uh Dan is a stand-up comic actor, producer, writer, as a national headliner. He's been on The Tonight Show several times, and you're probably gonna recognize him from if you watch Netflix, Cobra Kai, the hit show right now, super popular. Uh, And Dan is just a fantastic talent. We had a great conversation with him. And he also has the top food podcast in the country right now, uh, Green Eggs and Dan. So check that out too. So without further ado, let's dig in with Dan Adu. Dan, for everybody out there, uh, I mean, a lot of people recognize you from, uh, obviously, from the, the Cobra Kai, which we're going to be talking about, and, and the other uh, shows over the years you've been involved with, and uh, a lot of the uh, stand-up, which I'm sure we want to learn a little bit about that, about how that's changed over the last year. But if you could just give everybody, uh, our listeners, a lot of culinary foodie people uh, in our space, um, kind of give them a background, and overview of how you got started and, and what it, all that you do.
1: Yeah, sure. Um, so I started doing uh, stand-up comedy twenty years ago. I started in New York, and um, then I started to tour around the country. And uh, actually, let me let me try to give this. I want to try to give my career history with a little food parallel history. Yeah, of um, course. But yeah, so I was I was coming up in New York in the early two thousands, mid two thousands, which was when there was actually an interesting little food boom going on in New York. I think it was when. Uh, uh, Batali opened Poe and Babo. Can we talk about Batali anymore? I don't know. But he <laughs> opened those restaurants; they existed. And then, uh, <laughs> we... <laughs> and then it started a little like food revolution, you know, with Wiley Dufresne and all these guys were yeah. having these very interesting restaurants, and I was all about it. Every penny that I was making off of open mics were going to, <laughs> you know, April really. April. And um, then I started to uh, to tour and. For three years, I was the top uh, booked college comedian in the country. So I was uh, doing like 175 shows a year. Wow. I went to 49 states traveling uh, like crazy. Um, wow. And uh, I would go to all the, all, all the fun restaurants in whatever <laughs> town I went to. And so after, after that first year of touring, I came back to New York and I was like, man, I'm so burnt out. I do not want to do stand up for the summer. Uh, I don't want to do any comedy. I want to do cooking. I want to. I want to. I want to enroll at the French Culinary Institute. Just take some classes for the summer. And at the time, the Spotted Pig was my regular joint because I lived down the block from it. And all of the the managers there were like, "Dude, just come instead of going there. Just come here. Work in the kitchen. It'll be free, and you'll learn a lot more." So for three summers, I was basically the kitchen intern at the Spotted Pig. Uh, which kind of taught me, you know, whoa, I had no idea how to cook and stuff. Yeah. Um, and then I, uh, you know, then moved to LA and started to do more TV stuff. And um, I got on a Disney show, which which ended up uh, becoming, uh, I, you yeah, know, I was supposed to be on one episode and it became a uh, a kind of a breakout star of the show long story short uh if you got any kids out there they know who falafel phil is okay <laughs> and uh then uh i um yeah started just doing more writing as well and started selling tv shows and that became my gig um and then you know just let's quickly flash forward to to today i i got cobra kai a couple years ago and it was interesting because it was a It was a YouTube show at the time and nobody was watching it. So imagine this show that is the worldwide hit being out there for two years and no one's watching it. I mean, we were just like yelling at our friends, like, you guys, you have to watch this. They're like, what is it on? I'm like, YouTube. They're like, nah, I'm good, man. So (laughs) uh, thankfully, uh, Netflix gave it a new life. And then um, I just got on a new show, which is coming out next week called, or this is, it's come, it's out already, right? When is this airing?
0: Yeah, right. <laughs> I'd <It's on, right? laughs>
2: like
1: I have to like predict the rest of my career for the next three months. And then there was a the sex scandal, which I swear to God. I mean, <laughs> um, no, it was, I'm on a, uh, a show on Netflix called The Crew, which is Kevin James's uh, new sitcom. Oh, cool. Yeah, which is very, very exciting. Um, and uh you know in the meantime i i I wanted to do this podcast about food which would just be a funny like a food podcast that was just like comedic in nature and i didn't really see it out there and i pitched it around to everyone and no one wanted to buy it because they were like there's no market for this and i found like a small podcast network that wanted to take a shot at it and for two months last year we were the number one food podcast in the country Wow! Yeah, it's it's really fun. We get like celebrities and uh, interview them just based on what's inside their fridge. And every episode starts with a picture of what's inside their fridge, which I put on blast on my Instagram. So uh, it's very fun. You get to see uh, you know famous people's fridges. It's called Green Eggs and Dan. Um, But what I've what I've realized, and Rich, you can speak to this, is that the better the
0: chefs are. The more awful the fridges are. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. true. I mean, Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. <laughs> it's crazy.
1: Like, these people who don't cook at all have these, like, you know, Martha Stewart-type fridges, and then, like, Ignacio Matos of uh, Estella has, like, a fridge that looks like a college kid who ran out of money three years ago and <laughs> is,
0: like, in debt and doesn't know
1: what that moldy food is bad for you. <laughs>
0: how ironic that's so funny um i love that so uh very cool i didn't know i didn't know the history there with the with the whole culinary school potential and uh that's that's so interesting um yeah
1: i've always had a thing for cooking and for eating and for chefs i mean you know when i met you i was yeah yeah
0: so yeah (laughs) so so dan um so here we are you know with now having the uh podcast launched i mean was uh did the, did COVID kind of impact like with the whole pandemic and did that kind of like accelerate, like, Hey, this is something that I can really put a lot of energy into now. Like what was kind of the inspiration um, in, in doing it? I mean, did you, did you think that this was going to be a good way to kind of network or uh, I mean, right now uh, voice is huge. I mean, there's more people listening to the podcast than like ever before um, what was kind of the original kind of inspiration for for kind of getting it started? And did the pandemic accelerate that over the last year?
1: You know, I'll tell you, and this I think is true to any art or, you know, whatever you want to call it, whatever your passion is, but I didn't, this was the, this was probably the only thing in my career that I did without any, like, I, I, I didn't want to get anything out of it. I didn't, I wasn't doing it for like to get an in in something. Maybe I was doing it to get some free shit sent to me, which, you know, be, be, car- be careful what you wish for. Right. Um, and, uh, uh, but uh, no, man, this was completely done as a passion project. I've always, it, it's kind of like the food side of me has always been something that I've hidden career-wise. Like it's never, cause stand up comics and comedy, like they're not like usually food people. And a lot of food people aren't usually, comedy people. So I, I kind of kept these things separate. And I was like, man, I got to just like, I want to just like join these two forces together. Uh, so I literally just did it for fun. I lost money on it, uh, you know, in the first year, um, but it didn't matter. I was like, this is so great. I get to have these fun conversations and, you know, you follow your passion and everything else follows, you know what I mean? So like the, yes, the networking of it has been awesome. And I've been, you know, up for food stuff, which I've never been up for food stuff, which is cool. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it was literally just done. And then in terms of the pandemic, the pandemic kind of, I never did the podcast remotely. Like we would always have to do it in a studio, which was great for the sound quality and all that stuff. But um, it totally opened us up to getting guests anywhere in the world. Yeah, I mean, we interviewed uh, who is the guy who's one of my favorite like, food personalities. His name is Mr. Taster. And he's basically like the Phil Rosenthal of Iran. Really? And yeah. And he just travels around to he's like a rock star in Iran, like a food blogger. And he just goes all over to these little hole in the wall restaurants in Iran, which like you're like, I've never, I, you know, as an Iranian who's never been to Iran, it's like literally like all I care. Like, I, I would love to see all these little places. So we got to interview him from Tehran, which is like I would have never even thought of that possible. So um, I think it was cool that that it, it opened us up to that. Um, and, you know, since since pandemic, everyone started to cook a lot more and their fridges are a lot right. more stocked. So uh, it's kind of a fun, a fun thing to see is like, what do people have in their pandemic fridge? You know, like, what are you going to put in your fridge if, if you think the end of the world is coming? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> a lot of milk, apparently. Everyone thinks that the milk <laughs> is going to save them.
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
3: that's awesome uh dan a uh, quick question about that uh, you, you were just talking about the green X and and then podcast um what is uh what, what is your uh, so far what has been your favorite episode and and why oof
1: it's like asking me to choose my babies um yeah <laughs> uh, uh,
3: uh,
1: you know i just interviewed so there's here's the thing like there's definitely like the comedic ones. And then there's like the foodie ones. And you know, so there's like different categories, I think. And like, there's like, just the really interesting ones. So I'll check I'll choose three. Uh, one is like the foodie, my foodie favorite is probably um, Ruth Reichel. Um, just being able to nerd out on food with her and pick her brain on stuff was just like a dream come true. Um, awesome. And then the most interesting one I thought was Steve Ranella, who is a <laughs> He's a hunter conservationalist. He's got a, he's got a super popular podcast called the meat eater podcast, and he's got a show on Netflix called meat eater. Um, and he's all about conscious, uh, hunting and, you know, hunting for food. And, and that was a fascinating conversation. I learned so much that, um, I didn't know about, like, for example, uh, you know, we can't serve game meat in restaurants in America, uh, wild game. We can serve farmed game, but wild game is off limits. But in Europe, you can. And I always thought that was, man, I was like, Europe has it so much better than we do because, you know, they they can get these awesome ingredients in a restaurant. And he was telling me how it's actually a lot better this way for us because when hunting in America was open to commercialization, I mean, the population of these animals just went to, like, nearly zero. Oh, wow. Um, like, in the late 1800s, a super popular uh, food was to have a buffalo tongue. Buffalo tongue was, like, was like the thing. <laughs> it, was like, it was, like, the crispy chicken sandwich now. And so, but these hunters would just go out and kill a buffalo and rip the tongue out and then leave the rest of it there. And so... Um, wow, that's crazy. Yeah, so that... So, I never even thought that, oh, wow, that, that's what could happen. That's what you, you could open yourself up to, to the commercialization of this stuff. Um, so, yeah, it was really interesting uh, eye opening like that. And then I'd say the funniest one is like, you know, my comedian friends like Michelle Buteau is just hilarious and just like we just give each other shit and we don't even I mean, it's just like <laughs> it's just so much fun. So I don't know. They all they all have a little special place, uh, special place in my heart. And That's then great. Padma Lakshmi, I was just like hypnotized by her beauty. So like, I wasn't really paying attention, but it was, <laughs> I, I enjoyed it a lot. <laughs> <laughs> That's, <awesome.
2: laughs> That's funny. Um, so are you able to spill the beans on any future guests on your podcast?
1: Yes, uh, I am. Uh, actually, this week we have someone who's been my favorite. Oh, well. These are, past <laughs> <months>. <laughs> I have to guess. Well, Barack Obama is probably going to be on it. <laughs> uh, um, there's some, uh, there's some interesting feelers we got out there. Um, uh, you know, we'll see. Tiffany Haddish might be a guest or uh, I don't know. We'll, we'll see what's going to happen, but um I did just interview this guy Frank Prisonzano. I don't know if you guys are familiar with him. Um, I mean, he no. owns he owns a couple of restaurants in New York that are that have been around forever, like Frank and Supper and Little Franks. Okay. And since pandemic, uh, he has started a basically teaching people how to cook on his Instagram. And his follower count went from about fifty thousand to like one hundred and eighty thousand over wow. pandemic. And he's got he you know, he likes to teach people the way chefs would teach people. So he doesn't call them recipes. He calls them methods. And they're so much fun to watch and everyone loves them. (laughs) And he's such a character. He's just like this uh, brawny Italian, you know, teddy bear of a guy. So um, (laughs) yeah, I, I, I love him. And I think uh, um, I think he's doing good in the, in the pandemic, you know, teaching people how to cook.
2: Yeah. I feel like we've seen a lot of that. A lot of people, you know getting online teaching other people how to cook
3: yeah
2: um so what else are you doing besides the podcast like what else is keeping you busy you said you just started uh or there is a show coming or (laughs) oh it's out it's (laughs) been out future tense is it now it's
1: been (laughs) been renewed for eight more seasons
2: (laughs) 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 so we gotta put it it out of the
1: universe guys absolutely that's right (laughs) right.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So tell Uh, us what you're doing else. uh, What else to keep busy?
1: I actually, um, I've been cooking a lot as well and just kind of posting fun stuff on Instagram with it. Uh, The, I do have a crazy food uh, project that just got greenlit that, and I hate when people say this on podcasts and stuff, but I can't talk about it. But (laughs) it uh, it is very, very exciting. I'll tell you guys off the air about it, but it's very exciting. And like, it's a dream come true. Uh, and well, when this comes out, you can probably write in the comments section what it was, what it is. That's okay. awesome,
3: congratulations. Yeah, yeah. About we'll, we'll definitely, yeah. Uh,
0: at, at the yeah. end of the uh, podcast, we'll definitely uh, ask for where, we, where everybody can kind of stay um, updated right. with all of this stuff, so. yeah,
3: um, uh, Dan, I have a, I just want to make a quick stop and, and go back to the first question that Rich was saying, uh, because I've been watching your videos, I love uh, standout comedy. And I would like to ask you, just so everyone knows, where are you coming from, where your family is coming from, and if you can talk a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, sure. Um, So uh, I'm Iranian. Uh, Please keep listening. Um, I'm Iranian, (laughs) and uh, that's, uh, uh, you know, where my family is from. And um, it's, uh, you know, it factors into my comedy a little bit. It definitely factors into a, a lot of the podcast episodes, like, a lot of people don't know about Persian food, which uh, is a cuisine that uh, I, I that which I'm you know I'm trying to be a little bit of an ambassador for it because uh, I think that it it should be it should have the same level of uh, you know uh, respect not respect necessarily but like notoriety let's say as like Indian food or you know Thai food or you know it's a very it's very different from Arabic food. Uh, which is what a lot of people assume it is. And the best way I can describe it is it's a lot like um, Indian food, but substitute herbs for the spices. So it's super fragrant oh, wow. and really uh, an interesting cuisine. The bummer part about it is that it's like one of those grandmother cultures. Uh, Cause it's like, and I'll explain like, I, I, you know, in my cooking pride, I was like, I'm going to start cooking. I'm only going to cook Iranian food now. I need to, I need to represent my people, you know? (laughs) So I was like starting to cook Iranian food and I was like, oh shit, the only way you can do this is if you're literally a grandma and have nothing to do the whole day, because it takes a whole day to make like one tiny dish. (laughs) So, uh, I'm back to just like cooking simple stuff, but it's like, it's super labor intensive and very, very delicious.
0: Dan, That's is there awesome. any chefs in the United States that are um, kind of cook with that influence any, or any uh, restaurants, um, or is there a food town that you think probably really, you've, you've seen good representation of that cuisine?
1: LA is the closest that it gets, okay. um, but unfortunately I haven't, th- here's the problem. The only Persian restaurants uh, or most of the, the majority of Persian restaurants in America are just kebab restaurants. So you'll have the Persian kebabs, which are so delicious, but that's like 5% of the cuisine, you right. know? It's like, sort of, we do the same thing with Japanese food where everyone thinks Japanese food is sushi, but that's like a small sliver. Right. Um, and I think, uh, but there are some chefs uh, who are doing really interesting things. There's a restaurant in Brooklyn called Sofre that is, that is taking uh kind of elevating persian food and doing almost like the you know the uh new american uh, treatment to persian food which is really really interesting um and there's a chef whose books are amazing she's like the grand she's like the martha stewart of uh of persian cooking this is the book it's uh new it's food of life it's called Oh, okay. And it is Najmia Batman All All right, that's her name. It's it's really hard. You know, I'm, to, yeah,
0: I'm sure she would appreciate that you that you <laughs> went through that to do that for us. That that's awesome. And actually, I want to get
3: that book now. Yeah. Um, yeah was that one of the product that you got in your podcast? No, I wish, man. <laughs> I wish it's so expensive. So, you know, it's funny.
1: I've been, I, I, just to speak to a little bit of the uh, the product placement the producty stuff. The first time I realized that this podcast is actually doing okay was I reached out to Traeger, you know, the grill company. Yeah, right. Because I was like, hey, I want to get a discount on a, can I get it like a discount on a grill? Um, and I will, you know, I'll use your product. And they were like, we loved your videos. We're going to send you a free grill. And awesome. the grill that I wanted was like a $700 grill. They ended up sending me like a $2,000 grill that had like Wi-Fi <laughs> <Wow>. and like, <laughs> Gives you a massage after you're done cooking. <laughs> um, it was wild. I'm trying to that's get all. Cl- I'm trying to get an all clad hookup, but they're they're not returning my calls. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, when they see how dedicated you are with the product, they may uh, change their mind. They're like, hey, yeah, that's,
3: um, that's amazing.
0: So, uh, uh, yeah, and you know what? I I think like over the years too, because uh, obviously like pre COVID and all over the years, like with all the cooking competitions and stuff that I did and a lot of the traveling. That was like one of the the best things about competing was going to all these different places around the world and just tasting their food. And and I totally agree. It's like when you're in the United States, like what people know is like an Italian cuisine or uh, the food of India. You know, until you actually go there and taste like street food or in the small towns, right. man, it's like there's so much. You know, I went to Ecuador a couple of times like uh, a, a year ago, and you know, just all these different places. It's just it's so cool. I mean, I I I'm, I'm you really piqued my interest with um, with that cookbook as well. So I'm I'm kind of curious now.
1: Man, um, you're I can't I I forgot about how much you traveled. It must oh, be yeah. like what is did you did you slow down the traveling before pandemic anyway
0: or were or... oh no it was full throttle. I mean oh, literally uh, I was literally in Las Vegas uh, doing a presentation. It was supposed to be for like a thousand people at Cater Source and. Uh, a lot of people started like canceling even coming out to the actual conference. And we were like watching all of this unfold on the way back home. And even the airports, like, I mean, I remember going back to the uh, airport and it was like, there was nobody there. And the uh, Las Vegas was like a ghost town. I'm like, man, this is getting really bad. And then we started seeing people asking for refunds and canceling events. They were asking for refunds for deposits for, uh, for, for parties And it just, you know, it all kind of went downhill from, from there. But, um,
1: that sucks. man. Yeah. I mean, you know, we've,
0: we've been recovering and everything, but yeah, I did travel a ton before this things are starting to pick up a little bit, um, as far as the travel again, but not nothing really outside of the United States. And I used to travel a lot outside the U S before this, but I missed that. Yeah. Um,
2: Don't we all. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And
0: uh, yeah, hopefully, uh, things get back to some sense of normalcy soon. Um, so Dan, the other, so about like with the, uh, Cobra Kai, uh, which I want to kind of, we want to spend some time talking about just, the, your, your entertainment, um, experience. How did you actually get involved? Um, you were doing the show on YouTube as well. I mean, you know, how exactly did you kind of do like get involved in doing a show like that, even the YouTube version in the very beginning?
1: Yeah, so um, I know the creators of the show. I've known them for a long time. Uh, they're the guys who created uh, Hot Tub Time Machine and Harold and Kumar. And we've known each other for over a decade. Um, and we've always just kind of helped each other career-wise and you know, looked at each other's stuff. And, and it was one of these things where they, they were writing Cobra Kai and they were like, we wrote a role for you uh, and we think you'd be great in it. And I was like, cool. Uh, so it was probably one of the easier, easier gigs that I've ever gotten. Uh, but, you know, there was a lot of work that went behind it. I mean, we've been, we've been, they've been following my career for a long time. And uh, yeah, but it was, um, it was one of the few uh, things that I, I didn't actually have to have to seriously audition for. Uh, they they had to definitely, you know, pull for me because the execs were like, Oh, we don't know. And they were like, no, 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 he's great. Um, which was really nice, but yeah, it was, it was, uh, having a good relationship and, you know, and all you know, I guess they,
0: they enjoyed my work. So. So is the experience like being involved now that, uh, obviously it's such a huge show, but when you went to start working with doing it with Netflix versus when it was like with YouTube, I mean, is it, has the experience changed, um, a lot, Um, Or is it just like, hey, now it just has a different distribution um, channel? Well, I'll tell you the craziest thing. The first three
1: seasons were all filmed under the YouTube umbrella. So everything that you've seen so far has been shot without the show being on Netflix.
0: Oh, wow. I didn't even realize that.
1: Yeah. so. So the fourth season is going to start filming now. Actually, it's already started filming in Atlanta. Um, And uh, the, uh, um, yeah, that's going to be the first season that's under the Netflix umbrella.
0: Wow, that's crazy. And it's interesting, though, that, you know, it was on YouTube for so long and just all of a sudden, boom, it's on Netflix and it's like this massive show. But that's just crazy. Again, Imagine my frustration when I'm like,
1: guys, this show exists and no oh, one's yeah. watching it. <laughs> yeah.
2: Which is we, crazy because yeah. I feel like there's such a huge audience on YouTube. I mean, I didn't own a TV until June of last year. And all I would watch was YouTube. I didn't, I wasn't big on TV. So I know that there's like a huge audience for people watching shows or vlogs or whatever on YouTube. So it's just interesting that, you know. You had to beg your friends to watch it. You know, the
1: other thing, though, that Netflix does that's great. And I'm, I'm going to hype up Netflix because I'm, I'm on two shows now and my, <laughs> they pay my mortgage. They pay my mortgage. Um, <laughs> is that they translated the show into like 60 languages. Wow. So, wow they you know no other network would do that that's why it's kind of cool to be on netflix because if you were on cbs or on fox like they wouldn't do that they would just kind of i I think you know maybe dub it in a couple languages and then subtitle most of the others but they literally dubbed it in like every you know every language so you know i'm getting like messages on instagram from people in india they're like we love you (laughs) like
3: like it's wild (laughs) that's That's amazing that's awesome
2: so you're filming now or you're going to be starting filming in atlanta yeah with netflix what's that like right now with the pandemic because i just finished working on a on a movie with netflix and the quarantine situation was intense i mean it was we had qr scanners on our car i lived in atlanta but we had to live in a hotel Mm -hmm. And it was like, you can only go to and from the hotel to work. They would fill up your gas tanks. There was no, you couldn't stop at the gas station, nothing. So what's it, what's it like for you now filming there?
1: Well, I'll tell you, um, it's, here's the crazy thing is that the crew, the Kevin James show, we were filming in New York and we were filming during the pandemic so the pandemic happened we filmed we had an episode 10 episode order we filmed 7 episodes the pandemic hits and then we stopped we were the first show back in production on net uh, first netflix show back in production during the pandemic so all eyes were on us mm-hmm. and it was nuts like you said like we had to quarantine in a hotel for 2 weeks and it wasn't even just like you can just you know go out for walks in the parking lot even it was right. like you no, can't you leave your, your door. room Yeah. Yeah. Like um, and uh, which is so funny because you're like, my dream is to always be on a TV show. And suddenly you're on one. You're like, oh, I'm in prison now. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, uh, yeah. And then, you know, getting the uh, the swabs like, you know, we were getting tested um, towards the end. we were getting tested five days a week.
2: Yeah, us too. Uh, yeah. Seven times in a week, we got my nose in.
1: did not always look like this, guys. I used to
2: have <laughs> a
1: little button nose, and <laughs> now I have this big Jew nose. And it, <laughs> I was I was Protestant before I started the crew. And now I'm an Orthodox Jew. Um, oh, oh yeah. So it's, um, it was uh, it was a crazy crazy process. I mean, I, I I'm I haven't gone down uh, to Atlanta yet uh for season four but uh i'm imagining it's going to be the same across the board i mean now yeah. that you're telling me because i was it's funny because i was like oh maybe in the south it'll be different you know like hey guys right. all this is all no, but, <laughs> but,
2: no uh, it was pretty intense but yeah. I, I think the way that netflix handled it made everybody who was working on the movie around the production made everybody feel so much safer yeah I mean, coming out of it now, I'm like, I've got more fear of the virus than I did before I went in. Yeah, yeah. No, because they just made you feel really safe.
0: You were living in this bubble. Yeah, totally. So bizarre. It's (laughs) kind of neat that uh, it's kind of neat that there's all this um, activity, like with filming and stuff in Atlanta. We have our uh, event space um, down there. And when we were first getting that up and running, it was kind of neat for me. I, I didn't realize at the time. I'm like walking down the street with everybody. And it's like, wham, you're like walking into a TV set. You know, it's like a car ripping down the down the road and you yeah. know, like fake gunshots. And I mean it, it was and I remember one time coming out and they had like fake snow that was like the entire street was like covered with snow. I was like, what the hell's going on? Uh, But it was pretty neat. I think it adds like a whole different kind of energy to to Atlanta.
1: Oh yeah, it's awesome. I'll tell you a funny story was we had a, uh, in season one of Cobra Kai, there's a scene where uh, there's a billboard of LaRusso Auto with a penis painted, uh, spray painted on it.
0: Oh yeah, I remember that, yeah.
1: And so, you know, (laughs) this was season one before before the show even came out. So we're trying to keep everything very secret, very under wraps, but we they had to put that billboard up in a parking lot in atlanta georgia so R- people are driving by seeing larusso auto with a penis <laughs> <on> it, <laughs> just looking so confused with like ralph macchio on the on the, yeah. you know, the billboard. it was very very funny to see people's looks as they drove by oh gosh
2: it almost seems like atlanta is turning into like maybe the new film Maybe the new Hollywood, maybe the new area for film. Like oh, there yeah. were times where I had been walking out of Rosenelle Events down in town, Atlanta, and they would be shooting The Walking Dead, and there I would literally pass zombies oh. on my way to my car after work. What do you do? You agree with that? That maybe Atlanta is kind of the new film scene.
1: Yeah, I don't even think it's becoming it. I think it is it. I mean, it's, it. it's they've just made it. S- They've made it so so financially, um, you know, viable to do, and they've made it. They've made so many incentives. They've incentivized it so much that it's nuts to me when you think about how much more money they put into it by moving everyone to Atlanta uh, from LA and this and that, and it's still and it's still you know ends up making them more money. Like I can't imagine how much more expensive it is to shoot something in LA. Yeah, because right. they're flying us all out there. They're putting us all up. They're giving us per diems. Yeah. You know? It's uh, but it's but it's awesome because Atlanta, I think, has such an awesome food scene. And it's so much fun to go to go eat there. I think the markets are so much fun there.
2: Oh, my gosh. Atlanta food scene, at least prior to the pandemic, was probably one of my favorite food scenes. Yeah. Ever. If you're whenever you're back in Atlanta, check out Oku Sushi if you're into sushi. Really? That is my favorite hands down sushi place in the city.
0: Well, I'm going to check out the Rosendale Collective and have. uh, Yeah, yeah. We will definitely. Yeah, we will definitely (laughs) hook up, Dan, whenever uh, you're out there filming. I would love to catch up with you. We'll go go eat at a bunch of places and bring you over to the space. Absolutely. So we are going to take a quick break and then we're going to kind of dive back into our next round of uh, questions here with you, Dan. Hey, everybody, we're going to get right back to the conversation with Dan and Duke. Before we do, I wanted to make sure that everybody knows that if you want to see the video version of the show, you can actually go to Rosendell Collective on YouTube and you can see all of our past episodes. We've had some great guests on the show. And I got to tell you, I get so inspired. Every time I do the show, I learn something, I get inspired. And that's really what keeps me going. So anyway, let's get back to the conversation with Dan and Duke. Dan, you know, you obviously with... Uh, everything you've done. And and I didn't even realize uh, earlier on in your career, how much you were traveling um, as a comedian. I didn't realize that it was uh, that it was that much. Um, Is there any um, favorite like food cities or food uh, experiences, anything that you like really enjoy um, in particularly in the United States? I mean, is there a cuisine, you know, when you think about like Italian cuisine or um, Mm -hmm. even in India, all these different places around the world, there's like different kind of like little micro cuisines, but in the United States, it's almost like, I mean, completely different styles depending on what state you happen to be in. But is there any that you kind of have a, um, a, that are craveable to you that you think about? Yes. Um, Well,
1: first of all, let me just do a macro and then micro. So macro, I think America has the most interesting food in the world right now. And I think the reason for that is that, like, you know, American ingenuity, when we put our minds to something, we make it happen. We wanna go to the moon, we'll go to the moon. We, we'll, You know, we, we do what, what, you know, what our minds like, we have... We, You can't say you can't say no to when we're driven to do something. Right. Right. So I think that in the early 2000s, that focus went to food and people started. Well, before that, like, you know, there was a lot of crap food in America. It's people started to care about their food. And you cut to now and everyone, you know, those barbecue places that that they they source the wood from the, the forest that has the right, you know, terroir and stuff like that. And people are so hyper-focused on making the food amazing here, and it's gotten so, so good. Whereas I think in a lot of parts of the world, they're kind of hamstringed by tradition. Mm -hmm. And they have to, to, you know, have, you know, you go to Germany and the beer, if the beer doesn't have X, Y, or Z ingredients on it, then, you know, you you get yelled out of the town. So, like, I think... um, Within American cuisine though, there's a couple of cuisines that make me very proud to be American that you know, other places don't have. And one of them would be American barbecue. I love the uh, regionality of it all. Um, I'm, I'm very partial to uh, North Carolina uh, ribs. I enjoy the mustard based sauce. Uh, and I also think another very American type of restaurant that you don't find in other places of the world is the Steakhouse. I love a steakhouse and I, you know, even though I think that steak is like the easiest thing to make and you can make one at home that tastes just as good as a steakhouse. You just have to get the good meat, but there's something about the pomp and there's something about the environment and there, you know, the size and they're just kind of martinis and that and, you know, eating until you can't move anymore. Like there's something about that that I just love that is such an American thing. so yeah, I'd awesome. say, I'd say those are my,
0: my two. Well, I got to bring you, uh, I'm based here in Northern Virginia and I come down to Atlanta pretty frequently, but I got to bring you some barbecue. And we also just got this brand new dry aging cabinet from Germany. And it is just unbelievable. The steaks that it's, it's producing. So those are two wow. things on my list I got to bring for you and we'll, we'll uh, cook it and, and have some, Hell yeah. Uh, um, so, yeah, I think
1: I've I think I've read about that one. It's like super yeah. expensive, right?
0: That uh, it yeah, it is. Um, but when you think about uh, it, basically can control the uh, the humidity and the UV. There's a UV light in it, so that um, you also control the the yield. You get much better yield out of it than you do on a lot of dry agers. And wow. I'm gonna tell you, I I did like our first uh, dry aged steak in it, and I, I just had like I had um like Creekstone, and I also had some uh, local Virginia beef. And I got to tell you, I mean, the first round of steaks that we did out, we did these big um, prime rib. It was—I'm not exaggerating. It was like the best steak, the best bite that I have ever had. And I've had lots of steaks. I mean, the yeah. dry age flavor. Sometimes dry age can be like a little overpowering. I mean, it could just be maybe a little bit too too forward, and where it kind of just like overwhelms the dish. But this was like—I'm telling you—the flavor is just unbelievable but I got to bring some down. And of course um, we do a lot of smoked uh, brisket with local shag hickory and pork shoulder and ribs, but I'll definitely, uh, I'll definitely have to hook you up with some of that. Um, Of course. By the way, Rich, have you heard of dry aged fish? Yes, that is a, that is a huge thing. And we actually are talking with trying to get somebody on the podcast that, uh, that specializes in that. There's not a lot of people that dry aged uh, fish, but you can do it in these in these aging cabinets. There's a guy in LA doing it now, and like people are going nuts for it. So, have you? What's the name of the restaurant? Do you know, or have you been there? Um, I haven't been there. Uh,
1: he his, on Instagram, he's dry aged fish guy. It's
0: yes, that that's actually the same person. Is um, it the guy? Yeah, yeah. We and actually he uses the same dry aging cabinets. The dry aging cabinets that we use, they're literally called dry ager and uh, they're made in Germany. The family's been making these for, for years. Um, And they are just, they're beautiful. I mean, yeah, they're expensive, but when you look at like the consistency of like what you get, it's totally worth it. Uh, But yeah, dry aged fish is becoming like a a really big thing. Um, Speaking of that, you know, with restaurants, uh, you know, Dan, like a lot of uh, people over the last year with the whole COVID situation, I mean, this has just wreaked havoc on the restaurant industry. As somebody that really loves like going out to eat and, and you also kind of have a pulse with a lot of your friends in, in your circle, do you feel like um, the things are going to bounce back? Like, or and, and how long do you think it's going to take? Or do you think that restaurants are going to have to use like that like, like what you mentioned before, that, that American innovation to figure out how to kind of reimagine like a new restaurant experience. I mean, like where where are your thoughts at with that now as far as the future uh, of just like dining in America? I
1: think, unfortunately,
0: it's really depressing right now. And I think that uh,
1: restaurants are being thrown under the bus. You know, they're not getting the help that they need and a lot of awesome Restaurants in LA have already shut down. That you know, that, that 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 would not have otherwise. You know what I mean? It's not like uh, they were struggling before the pandemic or anything. It's a, it's a really really unfortunate. You know, other st- and states are dealing with it in their own own ways. I think California is doing an awful job uh, of messaging, but um, it's really really sad. I do think that there's already a lot of this reshifting going on, and people are are creating the restaurant experience at home in a way, you know, like uh, a lot of restaurants are now tailoring things for people to take home and make themselves, which, you know, 11, 11 Madison park at home is pretty cool. That they're doing that, but also it's like, so sad that that's what they have to do. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Um, so I don't know. I mean, I, I also hope people don't become too complacent and just say, Oh wait, I can just like press a button and get, Cause it's so convenient to order food right now. It's crazy convenient. And I just hope we go through the same thing that they went through after the Spanish flu, like the roaring twenties. I just hope that we have like the roaring 2020s and people just go nuts and can't wait. Cause it's funny whenever people ask me like, what's the one restaurant that you want to go to after, you know, if everything goes back to, once everything goes back to normal, I always say Balthazar in New York city. Now I haven't been to Balthazar in New York city in like 10 years but it's a huge rowdy open space. That's just big and fun. And like, that is like, all I crave now is like, I used to not care about the vibe of a restaurant. I was like, all I care about is the food. Now it's like, just give me another human being to sit next to.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and I'm there. Yeah. That's really interesting. Yeah. It's almost like that, that restaurant, it's almost like that was part of their DNA is just the, uh, the atmosphere that you get. And and good Lord, I mean, it's been like how long since anybody's really experienced anything like that. Uh, yeah. I mean, in Atlanta, I mean, we used to do parties up to 6,000 people. And wow. it's very difficult when your business plan is like at odds with like what you are actually legally allowed to do. So for catering and and restaurants, I mean, that's why I was kind of curious as far as like what your thoughts were on it, just from like, from somebody that enjoys going to restaurants. I mean, have you seen a lot of chefs um, out there? I mean, have you seen a lot of them being creative um, and trying to recalibrate and do a lot of like to go as far as like in California? Cause I I feel like California has been particularly hit hard with uh, especially like in a lot of the metros. Um, Do you, I mean, have you seen a lot of restaurant tours and chefs kind of trying to recalibrate and, and be creative and try to get their product out there? Or, um, has, is it really, you know, a, 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 more difficult, uh, situation now? Uh,
1: yeah, uh, there, there are a lot of, a lot of interesting places doing a lot of interesting things. There's a sushi place downtown in LA that's doing like $250 omakases that are in this beautiful wooden box. And, you know, it's just like really Japanese looking and just like awesome. But again, it's like, you know, it, like to me, whenever I see these things, it just makes me sad that this is what they have to do to survive, you know what I mean? Right. But I get it. I mean, you know, I have a friend who has a restaurant, Marvin, which is sort of a French inspired beast, like new bistro situation in LA. And, you know, he's doing cool little uh, homage pop-ups every week where he does an homage to like an old school Italian restaurant or old school LA restaurant and does their cuisine and you can order that in. But, you know, it's all tailored to delivery stuff. Um, but because we, they just opened up outdoor dining last week, um, in LA, you know, uh, uh, whenever we're filming this, um, <laughs> <laughs> cause they, they might close it again from by the time this airs. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean you know i feel bad for them man it's like because they get they're getting like sort of this schizophrenic messaging of like okay you can open okay now you can't open okay right. great now you can open right. and then buy all the heaters and then they're like oh you can't open and then they're like oh, fuck, right I all these heaters right and then
0: it's-
3: yeah I, I i think that what you're saying about that is uh is totally true that probably from from for some people is kind of like sad to see that they have to you have to order everything online to get it delivered to your house but at the same time i would say that is is where where you can see which business is made to make it through the pandemic mm-hmm. because at the end of the day if you reinvent yourself if your mindset it's about winning throughout the pandemic is is it means that tomorrow you're gonna be out there just for example just what happened with Cobra Kai I mean probably they kept pushing and now they're on Netflix they were on yeah. YouTube but now they're on Netflix and, and and it's a big hit uh, worldwide it's not just in in one just country um so talking about food and everything which one uh do you have any like cooking shows uh, that you really enjoy let's say from netflix
1: (laughs) well actually yeah i you know during the pandemic i was really enjoying phil rosenthal's show somebody feed phil uh because it's a you know any show that is just a travel show right now is just like crack for me because it's oh my god remember what the world used to be like (laughs) yeah (laughs) So he's just traveling and he's so jovial and positive and nice. And you, he, he's just like earnest and really enjoys the food. So I really uh, enjoy that show. Uh, and then again, my, my new Instagram obsession is this guy, Frank Prezzanzano. I can't stop uh, gobbling up his videos as well. I
3: have to check him out. Yeah. yeah. So oh, by the way, so, sorry, Rachel. Yeah. Uh, the, I think that the place that you were talking in LA is the the Joint uh and that's uh yeah yes. we, we have been like watching whatever uh what everyone is doing with dry ager because most of the people that they're in u.s is not in too many places and everyone that has the dry ager cabinets, uh we're trying to get connected to each other just to build something bigger for for tomorrow to teach people and everything about that i mean is that w- was that a thing in japan the dry age fish where did that come from Uh, I would say that I mean the the brand that we're working with is uh, made in Germany but there is many people there is a guy that has a a a cookbook that is about just how to butcher fish and cook it in different ways and make like so many things the guy is from Australia but you have people in England you have people here in US and I would say that now that you have social media and the and actually the the internet is you can find so many people working out different stuff and you're going to know tomorrow is going to pop a new, a new guy that is going to be making incredible stuff. Yeah. I love it.
0: Yeah. And um, as far as like with aging and then I'll let um, Rachel jump in here, but I don't want to go too far down the rabbit hole because we could create a whole nother show just talking about like aged meats and and fish Mm. and stuff. But, you know, with preserving things, it's really just kind of having the right conditions and, as you kind of get rid of some of that free water, that's one of the things that bacteria will kind of feed on. But if you can control the conditions, like the humidity, uh, the UV light also helps quite a bit in uh, the temperature. I mean, you can age just about really about anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but fish, I think that it is kind of a shock to people because they just assume, you know, the paradigm of fish has to be extremely fresh and right out of the water. And, you know, anything that's more than a week old you don't, you know, or even a couple of days um, it's just not good. But so I think it kind of like challenges the paradigm of what we know about seafood, but we're super excited to be able to talk to, uh, to talk to him about the, the dry aging of fish. Cause there's really not a lot of people um, doing it, but. Have you tried it, Rich? Um, we haven't. We've uh, we, right now we've been doing um, wild game, uh, a lot of beef, um and the beef has been just absolutely terrific and we we have about we have four uh dry agers that we're using now um but we use it for the restaurant as well just for the steak program but we'll definitely keep we'll keep you posted with it because it's it's a fascinating um topic but dry ager is like they make the best dry agers in the industry and they just yeah and they're really hot really popular right now what Um, i'm sorry to keep
1: butting it i'm so curious Uh, what was the did you try it on wild game meat or like farm game meat?
0: Uh, We have, we've used wild uh, game meat, venison. And when I was at the Greenbrier, um, a lot of times just as part of the apprenticeship there, I would, a lot of times they would send me out to the gun club and the hunters for the, in the morning would go out hunting and whatever they brought back uh, as an apprentice, um, I would clean and cook. (laughs) So they would bring chuckers, uh, pheasant, you know, whatever. I didn't know what I was cooking. So I would just, come stocked with like red wine and mushrooms and yeah, you know, all the, all these delicious herbs. Oh, how cool! And, and I, I literally like just for the first time, uh, last year just went quail hunting and I had just had a blast. So I love wild game, but I think that in the, uh, what we get here in the United States, unless you actually go out and hunt it yourself, it's, it's very different, uh, with a lot of the farm farm raised places than when I was in France and yeah. like Paul Bocuse's restaurant and you get like a, uh, cve of venison or uh, wild hare, and it's just like, whoa! This is this it has hurts. got some game flavor. Yeah. Um. But yeah, just fascinating topic. Um. I actually killed an elk this year. Oh, you did?
1: Yeah, and I have an elk in my freezer. Uh, not in the freezer. Uh, in the in the deep freeze in the uh, in my garage.
0: I was gonna say, wow! That's like that's a <laughs> yeah, as <a> wild freezer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So we're going to wind down into our uh, final round of uh, questions here pretty soon. Rachel, did you, I'm sorry. We, I know uh, we interrupted earlier. No,
2: no, it's totally cool. I just, I, you know, we were saying how sad it is on the, you know, the impact that the pandemic has had on the restaurant industry and restaurants themselves. What is one thing that you, have found positive out of 2020? What is something that you can, you know, you're a comedian, you make people laugh. Like what is one thing that you have found that we can look at as a positive that our listeners can kind of take from?
1: Well, one thing that's a positive about 2020 is that it's over. So that's cool. That's a good one, yeah. Um, I do think that uh, another positive is that people definitely started cooking at home and people started to learn how to cook. you know, when there was that kind of explosion in bread baking, I thought that was so interesting to me that everyone kind of went back to the basics of like, man, I don't even know how to make bread. Like, right. I need to learn how to I need to learn these, like, really essential survival skills. And I think a lot of people realize that when they do cook at home, and when they do make things from scratch, that they taste a lot better. So I think that it is elevating um, you know, the taste of a lot of a lot of people in America um, to fresher ingredients and better stuff. And, and just there's nothing negative that can come from from being better at cooking and cooking at home more and depending on yourself, you know, right. everyone's going to eat healthier that way. So right. I think that's 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 a really good thing that, that came out. Right. Of it.
3: Definitely. Then, then. Uh, then quick question. Uh, what is your favorite food to cook and eat? And what do you have in your fridge? Besides milk, <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, my favorite food to cook is uh, hmm. I've been I made a duck breast the other night that I love so much. Duck breast is so fun I to love me. Love duck breast. It's
3: amazing.
1: Because you don't have to add any fat. It just like it's like a one stop shop. You just take the thing. Yeah. It cooks in its own fat. <laughs> it's so easy. And it's so delicious. And it's like, it always tastes like you're eating at a restaurant. And it's so easy to make. I don't know. I just love, love, love cooking with, with duck.
3: That's awesome.
1: Yeah. And in my fridge right now, um, I have some leftover fried chicken uh, from, uh, from, <laughs> from, uh, yesterday. <laughs> from yesterday. Yeah. So my, my friend who's uh, got that restaurant in LA, Marvin, he's been doing, he was doing like a Super Bowl fried chicken uh, dinner thing. And it was like for eight, and I was like, "Can you make this for one?" <laughs> he was like, "Yeah, sure, come by, you lonely loser." So I uh, I went and got my little bag of fried chicken and uh, and and you know ate that while cool. I watched the
0: Super Bowl. Have you uh, fired up the the Traeger yet?
1: Yeah, I, I cook with the Traeger all the time. Uh, I love it. It's so much fun uh, to smoke. I mean, the, the, if you like smoke flavor, it's just like, it's also so easy. Like, I would love to be, you know, l- Rich, I'm sure you're like a barbecue pit master and you can use, you know, you can grab a, a piece of coal and touch it in your hand and be like, nope, needs a little more time. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't have, I don't, I don't have the bandwidth. So I'm like, I just need a little, you know my little set it and forget it, uh, you know, smoker. So
0: for me, it's really, Oh, they're great. um, They're great. I mean, I've seen a lot of chefs using them and, uh, they, that people are really happy with them. I mean, yeah, they're they're fantastic and they're consistent too.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Have you cooked any, uh, sous vide much? I mean, that's obviously been like a very popular in the last several years and, and actually probably even more home cooks using them than even restaurants (laughs) practically. I haven't. And I think, and, I'm kind of anti
1: sous vide. I'm a little anti sous vide. I know. I know. Shots fired. Uh, no,
0: no, 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 that's. <laughs> I, I think there are a lot of. Well, I think it's like overused uh, by yeah. a lot of people. Like, and I can tell you from somebody that would go and judge a lot of culinary competitions. Um, sometimes it was a little bit um, kind of. It was maybe a, a disappointing to maybe see just people like putting everything in a bag, especially if they're coming out of culinary school, and mm-hmm. it's like this should be used as a tool like anything else in your kitchen. You know, you, you have your your grill and your broiler and your saute pan. It's just another tool. Um, But it's something that you build your cuisine on um, unless it's like, that's your concept, you know? Um, And I think a lot of times maybe people just haven't had good sous vide. You know, they've had people just cooking sous vide. I like it when someone doesn't even know, that something was sous vide, that they're just like, oh my mm-hmm. God, these are just the most amazing short ribs I've ever had. It's like, oh, well, they just cooked for the last two days at sixty point right. five degrees Celsius. Really, you know? Yes, I.
1: you know, I will say, um, first of all, that's very interesting to think about it like that, that it's a tool and people out of culinary school might overuse it because I, I liken it to cursing and stand-up comedy, like <laughs> beginning stand-ups just curse every single, every other word and it's like no man you gotta be a little you know yeah when you need to it's like seasoning you don't want to over salt it that's a
0: great analogy
1: <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. um look I'll say this I I just think that there's definitely there's things that I've had sous vide that blew me away like sous vide eggs I think are so cool and like sous vide um chicken I think is delicious yes um but I don't know a lot of people's obsession with the uniformity of the cook uh all the way through like i like when a steak has a sear on the outside and then there's like well done right right under the skin and then it's like goes down to you know rare in the middle and then you know i i kind of like going through the um the layers of that like an like an ecological cross-section of a mountain like yeah um i enjoy that i i think you're right maybe it was there was a period of time where everyone was doing it on everything and i was like you know, everything kind of tastes like, like, like what they would serve in a nursing home. It's just like soft on my gums. Yeah. (laughs) So so I like having a little bit of the, of that, you know, the texture contrast.
0: Well, you know, for me, that's one of the, one of the ways I kind of gravitated even toward also liking barbecue. Cause I mean, I do a lot of obviously high-end food over the years, but one of the things that's interesting about barbecue is that it's also cooking at kind of low temperatures, and some of the same things are happening, like the denaturing of protein and collagen, and um, you know, getting it just just the right texture. But it's happening in a different environment, different conditions. But the temperatures are kind of low and slow, and you know, I I, I kind of like a, a lot of those different qualities. But I know exactly what you mean. People kind of overuse it, and uh, it should be used as a tool. Um, I know my last question for you, Dan, because I know we're kind of up here on the hour. And again, thanks so much for your uh, time today. Really, this was it uh, really- Are you enjoyable. kidding me?
1: Thank you. Just to be able to nerd out with 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 cooking nerds is like my favorite thing in life. I <laughs> oh, could get awesome. another time. hour. <laughs> it, it, we,
0: we really enjoyed it. Uh, and I'm going to let uh, Rachel and Chris obviously uh, let them um, have some questions as well. But my last uh, question is just to know- Uh, where people can find out more uh, about you and your current projects, whether that's a website, social media.
1: Yeah. So my website, my Instagram and my Twitter are all uh, at Stand Up Dan. Uh, The website is StandUpDan.com. But at Stand Up Dan is the best way to get a hold of me.
0: And the uh, podcast is, uh, is there any particular platforms that that's on?
1: Yeah, the podcast is called Green Eggs and Dan. And it is anywhere you listen to podcasts, you can listen to it.
0: Awesome. Yeah, and I definitely highly recommend it. I mean, I've uh, really enjoyed it. And uh, I think you're doing a terrific job with it too.
1: Oh, thanks, man. I, I really appreciate it. Um, it's, it's such a pleasure to reconnect.
0: It is, it is. We will, uh, like I said, we'll definitely hook you up with some, uh, some brisket and uh, some of that, those dried steaks next time it. I'm in Atlanta. I love it. All, All right, my,
2: my final question for for you dan is what is one ingredient that is a staple in your house you will die if it's not in your house
1: okay i love this question um i uh i would say these days it's toragashi am i saying oh my my gosh good answer wow awesome good answer is it it is it is my favorite thing i guess chefs are all listening to this but for those of you who don't know what that is it's basically a uh Japanese spice blend that, uh, and the one that I have now is a yuzu torogashi, and it is like- Sounds good. Oh my God, I put it on my cereal.
3: <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> so
1: good. That's amazing. So good, yeah.
3: So um, uh, my last question is going to be uh, LA and Atlanta, they, they don't count for as an answer for this question. Are you okay. planning to travel anywhere this 2021? And is there any place that you can wait to to see again? For example, I don't know, maybe you can come to South Florida and visit uh, Rachel and myself, or you can go to Virginia and check out the restaurant that we have over there that is about barbecue, uh, and Rich can give you a great tour about that.
1: I mean, yeah, that sounds like should be number one on my list. Uh, I am actually, <laughs> we are doing a, um, a Comedians of Cobra Kai uh, comedy tour um starting in i think june or july uh but uh so I, I will be traveling a little bit around i do think we have a show in northern virginia rich so oh cool. hey it's you nice have to time. come to the show and
0: oh then, man uh, i would love to i would love yeah, to yeah let me, me on, know yeah. about when that is absolutely
1: for sure for sure um, well
0: we have uh we also have we have the restaurant out here but we have a state-of-the-art culinary lab that's about 15 minutes um from washington dallas airport so I could give you like the full tour. We could go have some barbecue over at Roots and then bring you over to the culinary lab is like the Willy Wonka of like kitchens. I mean, oh we've God. got, I mean, we can make you some crazy cocktails with the rotary evaporator and then walk over to the dry ager and then the blast freezer. I mean, we got all kinds of crazy stuff. So um, <laughs> I we'll, swear, we'll it.
1: I, I don't know if you're just saying this cause we're on the air and then no, I'm, serious man. And I'm like, serious, man. I'm serious. Screw you. Well, I don't have <laughs> time for you, but I I will literally, <laughs> I will pad. Dude, my no, I'm trip. serious, man. I will, I will pad my trip by one day so that I can so that I can. We can I'm, I'm 100 totally
0: percent serious, man. Absolutely. Awesome. I love it. Well, great. great, Dan. Thank you very much uh, for, for giving us your time today. Really enjoyed this conversation. I mean, you're just you're a, a joy to be able to hang out with and uh, look forward to seeing you in person very soon.
1: Hell yeah. I will. Thank you and much. by the way. If Rich renegs on this, I will put him on blast. Everyone, <laughs> yeah.
0: you're following
1: me on stand up, Dan, I will put him on blast. <laughs> you <laughs> won't thank have you so to do much, that. This is, my, this is my favorite. Like, talking
0: about food is literally my favorite thing in the world. So We can so tell. It sounds good. All right, Dan. It. Thanks thank so much, you man. So much. Take care. We'll see you, you soon. Got it. You got it, guys. Hey, everybody. I want to say thank you to Dan dude I hope you enjoyed that conversation with him. And also be sure to check out his podcast, Green Eggs and Dan. Uh, you're going to love it. If you love food and uh, just great conversation, check it out. It's an awesome podcast. Also, I want to say thank you to our sponsors. We've got some new sponsors uh, for 2021. Uh, Art Flame, you, you all know that I've been uh, using them for years. I mean, just the coolest grills. I mean, if you want to fun way to cook outside whether it's at your home or in your restaurant or club and and also to have the plethora of accessories and tools everything from rotisserie to pizza attachments I mean it's just unbelievable they've also got a really cool new side table with the accessory of a cutting board that they've just added so check out their website Uh, I just love their product I mean they're they're well made uh, and they look beautiful uh, and also, uh, another new partner that we have this year is Dryager. If you love the quality of like restaurant dry aged steaks, then you can now do this in your own home. Or you can bring this into your restaurant or into your club, but Dryager makes the best and just most amazing dry aging cabinets. Uh, and also, they are so well built, they're so well crafted, but they also have a UV light in them, you can control the humidity, the temperature and really dial in the process of dry aging meat. Uh, We are just having a blast with ours and we're actually getting ready to start to cure some hams as well. Uh, And also wanna say thank you to Comey. Uh, It is the recipe and menu management software that we use to run our organization. It really helps kind of put the entire team on on the same page. And I also use it for my home recipes uh, to catalog all the cooking I do with my family and my kids. Uh, also, Verlasso Salmon. Uh, Verlasso Salmon is farm-raised, sustainable salmon out of Chile. Uh, always fresh, always consistent, uh, great flavor. Uh, I cook it a lot at home, but we also use it on all of our restaurant menus and it's really just a great product. And I uh, want to say thank you to all of you. So want to say thanks, continue to like and subscribe to the show. And we'll be back with more exciting guests next week. So thank you all for watching. We'll see you next week.